Thanks for clocking in to Becoming a Better Nurse podcast. I'm Rebecca. And Aaron. Together, we like to offer ideas, conversations, and solutions to help educate, elevate, and empower nurses. We're in part five of our stroke series, and we discussed uh, how to recognize a stroke, what to do, interventions, and now we're going to move into part five, which is basically stroke care after the patients leave the hospital, and we'll go into some details about that. We did also wanted to clarify some some things because there's just so much to talk about strokes, and sometimes we forget, but... Um, with uh, subarachnoid hemorrhages, sometimes with with AVMs or malformations, um, one of the interventions that physicians do is they go in and they coil if the if the aneurysm is like leaking or somewhat. So they go in there with the wire into the little bulb of where the malformation is, and they they coil it with uh, basically wiring so they can so they can close off any any bleeding from occurring within that uh, vessel in that space. Sometimes they clip it. Um, Sometimes they clip it too. And then if it's burst already, then they can um, stent it. It's called a pipeline stent. Or they can um, clip it and then, um, you know, uh, surgically surgically clip it. Yeah, and so to clip it is like, imagine this is the, um, the vessel and where my joint is, there's a little ball that forms there. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll clip it right at the, um, the connector there. They call it the neck the neck and that helps um because if there's like a little a hole there and it's bleeding out on the, on the ball and the malformation they will clip it there to avoid any further blood from going in there and then i believe that's removed or it just dies off or and yours and just shrivels off yeah correct so that's so that's the thing so we just wanted to mention that because that's kind of a higher advance and we forgot to mention that anyways part five we're talking about um Getting the patient ready for discharge, um, expectations with the stroke patient, sending them to certain places. Yep, and and typically with uh, you know there's two types of strokes. There's there's ischemic strokes, obviously, and the hemorrhagic strokes. So when we talk about b- both of them, um, there's certain things medication-wise that's different. But for the most part, these patients will typically go to the same place a lot of times based on their deficiencies. So if a patient is ANO times three walking up, there's actually no deficiencies. And sometimes we do what's called a modified Rankin's uh, scale, which is a scale of uh, disabilities uh, ranked from like one to six or zero to six really. And six means you're dead. Zero means you have no disabilities. So uh, typically physical therapy documents that. And then based on that and any other assessments, patients will either go home if they have no deficiencies and they are recommended to go home by uh, therapy like PT. Um, And then the other thing would be if they do have some deficiencies or issues with like, let's say, speech or walking, sensation, walking or grabbing, they would oftentimes recommend for um, rehab. Uh, so a lot of times it's inpatient rehab, or if it's not that bad, sometimes patients can go home and they will get uh, home rehab. So if you're having speech issues, patients need to follow up with a speech therapist. They'll probably have a speech therapist consult or, or like, you know, as, many, as often as the physician wants to every week so that they can improve their speech, improve, improve their swallowing if they're having swallowing issues. And then also OT sometimes because you know, occupational therapy is, revolves around what you can do um, with, your, with your lifestyle. So whether it's, it's daily activities, they'll, they'll have an OT representative help them with that for a certain amount of time so that they can rehabilitate themselves to get back to what they were normal. So basically, 
every stroke patient is going to have physical therapist evaluation and occupational therapist evaluation and a speech therapist evaluation. That's the standard of care. So they're going to be the ones that make the recommendations and then the doctor sets up all the discharge orders. Patients will follow up with their neurologist and with their primary care. And that's basically what happens. So depending on their their disability or what their needs are, that's going to be the recommendation from each of those um, departments. As a nurse, you're just going to try to organize all that, and it's more for about education and discharge education for the patients and what they need to know when they leave the hospital. And and then also we have to differentiate between strokes that are ischemic and strokes that are um, hemorrhagic. So when patients who are ischemic strokes leave the hospital, they're probably going to be recommended therapy if they need it and if not they're going to go home but a big important thing and it it certainly should not fall on the nurse for this it's mostly a physician issue it is discharging them on the proper medication so obviously if you are in ischemic stroke you will need something to help prevent strokes uh, help prevent blood from clotting again so you'll they'll probably put these patients on a an antithrombin like an aspirin um antiplatelet antiplatelet and if they're really bad, like let's say they have AFib, uh, they'll need to go on an anticoagulant like Eliquis, Coumadin. Zeralto. But a lot of times some hospitals and facilities, like for example at our facility, we had a checklist to double check. Um, so the nurses would double check the physicians to make sure that they are ordering the right medications. And based on that, so they'll go through a list and, and on this list it'll say, did the physician order a anti platelet antithrombin and, and it'll give a list of the medications. And the nurse will look and see if the patient is being discharged on the medication or if they're on AFib, are they, do they need an anticoagulant? Um, so if they do not have that medication on their discharge, we'll have to call the physician and say, hey, uh, you forgot to order this. And the physician will be like, oh, thank you, I forgot. Or they might be like, oh, I didn't order it because uh, they're allergic or I, I made a note. So as long as there's some type of, uh, we're addressing that specific measure because these are all guidelines from like American Heart, um, Joint Commission, they all look at this. These are it's the minimum standard for these patients. So uh, those are things that you need that patients who are stroke patients with ischemic strokes will be discharged on and obviously a statin too. And then typically hemorrhagic strokes go on a statin as well. Yeah, hemorrhagic obviously is not going to be on a blood thinner or aspirin for a little while. They got to give them time to um, heal from the hemorrhage but um, as a nurse it can be it can be irritating to have everyone ask all these questions of you you know where all these things done there's checklists for this and that but it's really important that it's not really about you and it doesn't measure your quality as a nurse it's really about you organizing and being the the one in charge for all the things that happen with discharge so um, even though everyone has their role to play Unfortunately, nurses feel like it's all on them, but it's really just about the best care for the patient, the expectation of the care of these patients when they go home. So um, just bear with it. Try to keep an open mind when everyone comes at you with you know all these questions and all these expectations. It's really just about getting it done for the patient. There's a whole team of people that mm-hmm. help with this. So it's not doesn't all fall on you. However, at the end of the day, discharge planning, discharge education, all that stuff, it's going to be the nurse is responsibility so just um, take that into consideration when you're preparing to send them home if they have any other questions there should be resources available that you can give them their phone numbers we 
web, web addresses, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, you don't have to know all the answers, just know where to guide them. Correct. Correct. And, um, and typically, and again, based on the deficiencies of these patients, it, they might go home and if they have some deficiencies where they need rehab, they will spend about 13 weeks in rehab in a rehab facility to get to get better. Um, also, post care, a lot of a lot of facilities and a lot of programs they like to offer stroke. What's called a stroke club. I know we have a an, a um, telemedicine group that that's hired by some hospitals, and they host a virtual stroke uh, club. And what this what these stroke clubs are is basically they host a once a month they meet and discuss topics on stroke whether it's swallowing um, dysphagia screens uh, swallowing or anything other related to stroke care and a lot of times these are led by either a rehab member PTOT or sometimes a physician if they want to um, educate stroke coordinator stroke coordinator and these events are supposed to be although they're educational very educational um, they're also supposed to be in a space where patients who have survived from strokes can meet a support group uh, yeah support group and that's really the idea because um, everybody's gone through some trauma and everybody can relate and express you know whether they've gone better and they can support each other it, it, it's it and that's typically norm I mean it, it's kind of like and I don't want to you know, compare it, but it's like Alcoholics Anonymous. Everybody's there to support each other. They're all um, having an issue with um, with drinking. I mean, it's not to that extreme, um, but it is in the sense environmentally the same vibe. So people meet, people discuss their issues, um, and they're there to support each other. And they have also people who are in the healthcare profession that can uh, teach them certain things and kind of guide them, which is extremely helpful. So those are basically the post-care stroke. Did we, did we touch on everything? You know, I don't discharge strokes very much, so that would be your topic, and you kind of do the checklist, and you've kind of um, chair, you know, spearheaded yeah. that at your department. Um, I pretty much just send them home, uh, send them to the unit or uh, out, out to the stroke unit from the uh, critical care. So um, as a, I've only had, I've only had to take care of one stroke patient. That was my ex-father-in-law. Who had a stroke so it was more about like medication organization there's a lot of confusion about you know which meds to take which meds not to take anymore you know what's the blood pressure parameters that they're supposed to be on there's a lot of education they called about they called me a lot about that kind of stuff so just having community resources available having um the community um the support groups uh, information having medications new prescriptions um picked up right away because they you know they're not going to you have to start them and continue them so that's kind of what i'm thinking um he did go to rehab so rehab is a big as a big part of the care for these stroke patients after discharge so um just uh it's a it's a whole sub subset of um care and i think one last thing would be the stroke education booklet and that's something that every hospital should create for these stroke patients and that should talk about really important things like medication, um, activating 911 if they're ex- re-experiencing strokes, and that some stroke booklets like with the, one, with the ones we have at our hospital are extremely well um, have a lot of information, but it's also easily readable, big bold prints, and it just covers pretty much everything. Because sometimes 
you're educating these patients, you're discharging them, you're, you're trying to tell them as much as you can, and of course, you know, you can only you only retain a certain amount of things. So I think giving them a booklet that they can go home and read read while they're in the bathroom or whatever the case. Um, can help reinforce all the information that you've given them and in case they have nobody to reach because you know sometimes patients leave and it's not like they're going to call you for questions they ever they never do uh, rarely so having that booklet might be helpful for people who are um, need, need a reference guide or something to kind of uh, go, go you know go back to and just kind of look over certain things and they can make notes within, the, within these uh, booklets as well so it's also also smart to give these booklets as early as possible so that they are writing notes and, and, and jotting things down. And these support groups in this education, it's not just for the patients, for the family too. Correct. Sometimes the patients are severely disabled and the family needs a lot of help because this is a change in the lifestyle for them, as well as the patient. But the patient, they're, they're kind of still in their own little processing world and the family's going to have to process a whole, a whole different way. So just um, keep that in mind when uh, you're doing education about what the family's involvement's going to be and... Um, Yep. That would be um, another helpful resource for them. Yep. All right, we're going to go into part six on Q&As. And we're gonna Just general stuff. Yeah, and we're going to ask you guys some questions and see what you would do in certain situations. Time to clock out. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please hit the like button and subscribe. Stat. Follow us on Instagram. You can find us on Becoming a Better Nurse. Until next time.